Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a soggy firework wrapped in old hot dog skins to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the appeal to self-evident truth. The, that description, before we go on, that description of the soggy flower wrapped in hot dog skins, that is brilliant. It reminds me of, I saw somebody had posted it somewhere, that Boris Johnson was all the last scrapings from the floor of a Weatherspoons <laughs> shoved into a sausage skin and taught to make noises with its face. <laughs> yeah, so that, uh-huh. yeah, there we go. They are very similar. Yeah, old hot dog skins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, self-evident truth. This is episode one hundred and the fourth, and it's just been the fourth of July. Okay. And there's some self-evident truths that get talked about a bit around then. So yeah, this seemed like a, 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 yeah. the obvious choice to do it. Uh, Good. Well, yeah, completely this, obvious. This week. It was. Yeah. 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 Clearly, um, self-evidently, the the best yes. time to do this one. <laughs> And yeah. yeah, there are there are truths that some people hold to be self evident. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily make them true. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. What it does mean it gives them the handy get out of not having to provide any evidence or argument or explanation yeah. or defend their position because it's well, it's just self it's self evident, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a self-evident thing. Yeah, I see you're avoiding using the word truth. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so our first example from Trump comes yep. from when he was talking about election observers. In Pennsylvania, Democrats have gone to the state Supreme Court to try and ban our election observers, and very strongly. Now, we won the case, uh, but they're... They're going forward. They don't want anybody in there. They don't want anybody watching them as they uh, count the ballots. And I can't imagine why there's absolutely no legitimate reason why they would not want to have people watching this process, because if it's straight, uh, they would be they should be proud of it. Instead, they're trying, obviously, to commit fraud. Yeah. Wow. Bit of a leap. <laughs> yeah. He's the only person in the world, obviously, that uses strongly in in that. Yeah, that's a weird use of strongly, isn't it? They yeah. tried to, they want yeah. to ban them and very strongly. And they very strongly. I mean, is yeah. there a is it possible to have a non-weird use of strongly? Is it even an I mean, if an, you're lifting so if you're yeah. The, like if yeah. it's about if physical strength then you do I think you could use strongly, strongly. I mean, not, we say it it's still it sounds, it's still yeah. clunky and weird yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I'm, how are you lifting those weights strongly <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah yeah no it's yeah. not great no i mean all of this is is complete nonsense yeah if it was true yeah the the fact that he's just saying it you know they're obviously committing fraud yeah yeah doesn't make that true and he isn't at this point or 
at any point <laughs> over the last year or so yeah. providing any proof of no. it at all. Well, that's because he's hit upon the fact that it's it's just obvious, just plain yeah. all those to see, including the person that said, well, they got a whole bunch of votes out of a plastic bag and yeah. what well, it looked like. Suitcase about, yeah. from under the you know, desk. Yeah. yeah, so it's obvious. We, we, it's so blindingly obvious to our completely Republican mind that we haven't got to provide any proof. How can you not see that? That's what they're. That's kind of what the the exaltation is, isn't it? How, yeah. you, are you stupid or something that you just can't see this? Yeah. No, it's obviously you, it's obviously you, fraud. It's obviously but... <laughs> fraud. That's why the only reason they wouldn't want to let them in. Not, yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, apart from the fact that they absolutely let them in, yeah. he claimed in this section that yeah. Democrats in Pennsylvania went to court to ban Republican observers from watching them count ballots. Yeah. It's like that Luke Skywalker meme. Every word of that is yeah. not true. <laughs> so yeah. Every part yeah. of what you just said it's is practically a untrue, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. It yeah. wasn't the Democrats who even went to court in the first place about it. Yeah. It was it was the the Republican poll watchers or the people who were kind of riling them up. Yeah, yeah. Um, wanted them to be able to stand like over the shoulder of the people yeah. who were counting. Yeah, and Bruce and it was during place. COVID. Exactly. I mean, it's still yeah. during COVID, but it yeah. was even more during COVID. Yeah, and so they <laughs> had more strongly they, during they had, COVID. Um, you know sensible distancing guidelines that said they had to be at least six feet away from the people and so one idiot took out binoculars and was like making out like it was impossible to see from six feet away because he was mr magoo and yeah (laughs) Yeah. and and so they went oh well you know this is this is a thing that we have to take to court so the so the republicans took it to court they said we want to be able to stand right next to them and sneeze at them yeah and the democrats said no we've got this is a it's a perfectly fine place to stand. You're yeah. all allowed in the room. You can all yeah. watch it all. You just have to be not breathing at us. And yeah. and the court said, yeah, that's completely fair. Um, and so Trump, for President Inc., appealed. Yeah. yeah. And and the appeals court went, yeah, I know they should they should be able to stand wherever they like, basically. But at no point was anyone trying to ban anyone from the room yeah. or not have people watching the counting or anything like that. And all of all of what he said is bullshit. And even if it wasn't, it would still not have led to the conclusion he drew from it. Yeah, yeah. And at no point did it not require evidence to back up his claim. <laughs> yeah. Which, which he thinks is just obvious. You know, the, the, yeah, the obvious, the, the obvious non-causal connection between all of this and fraud. And, the, and nobody held him to account for, for that. No, nobody no. In, that, in that thing, well, basically, because he, he, at that point, he just gets up and leaves and says, thank you very much. You know, what it takes is an Australian journalist to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> you, know, you can't do that with the charts. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Well, in our next clip, there was a uh, a translator sitting behind Trump who did that very much with her face yes. while he was oh, talking. Yes, I remember. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. This is about his first impeachment. All the time he was talking, she was 
clip she was kind of taking notes because she obviously yeah. needed to then do the the other language yeah. but was like looking at him like what the fuck are you talking about you madman oh, yeah um, <laughs> uh, yes for like sensible europeans do yeah. yes yeah. yes uh, she's uh, created a phony witch hunt another one first one failed they're all failing this one is just absolutely crazy all you have to do is read the transcript of the call read the transcript this is a open and shut simple case they're desperate because they know they're going to lose the election yeah it is a open and shut case yeah so no, yeah nothing nothing to you just you just just the the, tr- the transcript is essentially self-evidently perfect yeah oh is that one that was the perfect call yeah yeah ah uh, yeah 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 so um mm. yeah he's saying read the transcript it's it's an open and shut case yeah. and and there is arguably such a thing as an open and shut case where there is a great deal of evidence and that's the thing about open and shut cases is they typically involve quite a lot of evidence because that's how you know that it's going to be an easy case to win yeah (laughs) the ones that don't have any evidence tend to be the ones that aren't quite so open and shut yeah and the and the thing that you open the case for (laughs) is it's a metaphor for an actual case, a briefcase, a case with briefs in it. And we're not talking shorts. We're talking, you know, lawyers' briefs, which contain the evidence. You open the Uh case, you show the evidence, and that's all you need to do. And then you you say, case closed. Case closed. As you close your briefcase. You shut the case, and off you go. And they go, Uh yep, brilliant. Thank you very much. (laughs) Are you sure that's where that's wrong? I don't know. I mean, it sounds it plausible. It ought to be. It, it seems. It seems obvious. It, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's self-evident. True. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll take your word for it. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. You've convinced of course, me. if they if they're doing it in capital letters, they use the uppercase and not uh-huh. the lowercase. <laughs> yeah. Now that does actually come from cases full of letters. Yes. So I've just assumed that that's the, <laughs> that that's the case. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's been, and I need to offer no more evidence than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Case closed. And now is the time I think for Mark's British politics corner. Well, it's been an exciting week, and we'll get onto that later on. And uh, but so what it's allowed me to do is to look at the various runners and riders in what's going on. So uh, over the, the the last month, is it? There were there was a a vote of no confidence in Boris Johnson that was launched by his own party, um, or triggered by that uh, as a result of people sending in letters to the um, the chairman of the 1922 committee, which kind of looks after all all of the backbenchers, so not just the cabinet ministers, but absolutely everybody that's working as part of the government, um, and that's the that's the kind of the union. And that's the chairman received some uh, 24 letters by the 1st of June 2022 that we knew about. And Nadine Dorries took to the airwaves. She's the Minister for Culture, Media and Sport, about which, needless to say, she knows nothing. And she looks at Boris like Tina Weymouth, the bass player from Talking Heads, used to look at David Byrne. And to look at it, look at both of them now, <laughs> from now on. 
And so, and when she was asked on BBC Radio 4's World at One on June the 1st about these 24 letters of no confidence having been sent in, she assures us that actually there's a coordinated campaign to oust her true love, her, her Prime Minister, and this is what she says. There is, obviously, I think probably led by one or two individuals, a campaign behind the scenes to, to try, attempt to remove the Prime Minister for individual reasons to do with personal ambition and, and other reasons. Who's leading but, it? You know, yeah, well, I've, uh, I, I have no idea. But, you know, there is obviously um, a, a coordinated campaign. So, ob- obviously, there's, obviously a co- yeah. there's a coordinated campaign to get Boris out. And it's been... I mean, did all these letters arrive all at once? No, no. In a, in a, no, in a very uncoordinated way. <laughs> and they came from various, the backbenchers, so from all over the place. Yeah. So, but they're coordinated and, and you know, not unreasonably. I can't remember who's doing World at One. He says, so who's leading this? Well, I have no idea, but it's obvious. <laughs> you know, I don't, don't know the, any of the details. I don't know any of that, but it's obviously yeah, that, that, a conspiracy. Her yeah. argument yeah. that it was for... Um, Personal reasons of ambition and and other reasons. That other yeah. reasons is doing a lot of work. There, it is yeah. exactly yeah. What, you know, where's yeah. your proof of that? Well, no, because it's obvious. Don't you? The other other like reasons that. just yeah. can mean any, literally. Any, I mean, yeah. They, they, yeah, that's that's almost the definition of not coordinated. Yeah. Is that there are multiple reasons why people might have done these letters? Exactly. That I can only collect together under a heading called other. Other. Yeah. Other other (laughs) miscellaneous reasons. Miscellaneous other yeah. That kind of yes, we've just lumped all of those together in a coordinated way. Yeah, we're gonna colour them all the same colour. Green Uh for other. Yeah. And then she has another interview on the day of the confidence vote itself, which was some I can't remember where that was now. It's all a blur. And uh, and what she does is in her conspiracy theory, in her coordinated conspiracy, she scoops up remainers. There were remainers in the party, you know, people who voted not to leave the EU. And and also reminds those errant naysayers that the party donors don't like a divided party and they will stop giving if Boris goes, which I think speaks for itself. <laughs> so, there you go, lol. So, second example is from today, actually today, Thursday the 7th of July, um, when we're recording this. Keir Starmer spoke today about Boris remaining as Prime Minister after having resigned as leader of the Tory party as a result of 59-plus of his uncoordinated government resigning. Unless he goes. So they all kind of... So there was this vote of no confidence. <sighs> was it a month ago? Some weeks ago. He won or he didn't... We talked about that before. He didn't lose sufficiently to... <laughs> he lost uh, it worse than Theresa May. He lost it worse so than Theresa May. Who that he went, had to leave. Yeah, when that was pointed <laughs> out by Rhys Mogg. And this time round, Rhys Mogg kind of went... That's fine. He's fine, you know. And the Dean Doris has actually said he only needs but needs to win by one. And you go, really? Okay, so if you've got <laughs> if you've got really one? <laughs> no. So anyway, today 
um, Keir Starmer in response to the fact that 59 members of the government resigned in a peculiarly uncoordinated fashion. So well, apart from one bunch of MPs, five of them signed the same resignation letter, I guess to save paper or to yeah. just get all get the same retweets. I don't know. Everyone seemed to be resigning over Twitter. So, yeah, we, and some of them during Prime Minister's questions. And um, so it wasn't a coordinated thing. And, and yet, so Boris eventually kind of went, all right, I'll resign as leader of the party. But he said he was going to stay on as the Prime Minister. Mm. So, you know, as the leader of the party is you are the first minister. So because you are the, the, the head of all the ministers, you're the leader. So therefore, if you resign as leader, you, you ought to go as prime minister. Didn't worry Cameron or Theresa May or uh, or even Blair. They just kind of, you know, that when they lost their leadership thing or they lost their election, they just went, right, well, I'll go and that's it, I'm off. But not Boris, no. So <laughs> And so Starmer today said this. It's obvious he's unfit to be Prime Minister. That's been blindingly obvious for a very, very long time. And if they don't get rid of him, then Labour will step up in the national interest and bring a vote of no confidence because we can't go on with this Prime Minister clinging on for months and months to come. So he says it's obvious that he's unfit to to be Prime Minister. It's been bleeding obvious for ages. And although he's not offering any evidence for that. He's kind of doing the fallacy. I mean, just gestures round wildly at everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, all you need to all you need to just turn the camera the other way, not point it at someone. Yeah, point it at Britain in general. All, all the so, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. <laughs> he should have done that, really, shouldn't he? He should have just gone, duh. <laughs> that would have been, yeah. And, and his ratings would have gone up. Yeah, so I, hopefully they do follow up on that. I mean, what have they got to lose? Because what will happen is if Starmer does call a cop... So basically you can... The party itself can have a vote of no confidence in its leader, which is what happened to Theresa May. Um, it it's happened to Boris. It also happened to Jeremy Corbyn twice. But then the opposition can trigger a vote of no confidence in the government itself. So that they will need to have the support of the... They could be voted out, voted down by the sitting government. So at the moment when there are 59 missing ministers, missing members of the government... <laughs> when it, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be easy easier to, to win. win that vote. Because he's yeah. only got an 83... He had, a, he had an 83-seat majority. He's now got le, you know, 59 less than that. And so th- now would be the time to trigger it. Well, I mean, what have you got to lose? Basically, if... He, he will still win the moral victory because then we'll, it would be clear that the Tories are only voting... They're voting for a confidence in their own government under a leader who won't quit the building despite having resigned so yeah it's it's just amazing they're gonna to have to drag him out with his fingernails will be clinging to the door you know there'll be scratch marks down the thing even larry the cat who lives in number 10 is gone is apologizing to the world about on twitter he's got his own twitter feed and he apologizes to the world and um and said yeah sorry about this dear world sorry about all this 
um, I'll, yeah, I'm going to have a word and it'll all be back to normal and we'll just get back to drinking tea and being nice to each other. Yeah, I did see that Larry had felt the need to, to um, clarify that he yeah. is the uh, the, te- the Downing Street cat. He's not Boris yeah, exactly. Johnson's cat. So he won't be going... Distance yeah, yeah. himself from the yes, Prime Minister. Right. <laughs> so that, so it, the third example was also today, buoyed up by the change that's coming, Charlotte Carew Hall from Women to Win, which is a conservative organisation, as will become self-evident from her accent, by the way, said on BBC Radio 4's Women's Hour today that we need to get more women in politics and now's the chance because there's an implied self-evident truth, I think, here, that women are not involved in the scandals, they won't let their party down and they won't embarrass their constituents. And she goes on to say this. It is a good thing that change is coming and let's grasp this opportunity. Let's encourage more women to come forward. Let's um, make the place a less toxic environment. There are not enough women, the whole of the Conservative Party. Let's make it a friendlier place for women. Uh, and let's co- encourage more consensus politics. The fact is, is that women tend not to be involved in, in sleaze. We roll up our sleeves. We get on with the job. We are good, reliable, stable. And, um, you know, we, we are more balanced and conciliatory and we take advice and we are good politicians when women tend to be more risk averse. And therefore, that would lend to a better type of politician. There's so argue. much I could unpick there in debate. We tend to be. I mean, Theresa May just didn't deliver. But, you, you know, <laughs> what I really like about that is she sounds exactly like you, Jim. There, okay? There's so much wrong with what yeah. you just said. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. She 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 holds herself back from going. Okay. First of all. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hang on a minute. But you're assuming that. So yeah. So that's Emma Barnett, the presenter at the end, somewhat taken aback by at the presumption of Charlotte there, and she only manages, I think, in her aghastness, to invoke Theresa May. Well, what about Margaret Thatcher, famously not collegiate? For, we heard Jeffrey Howe's resignation speech only a couple of episodes ago. Pretty Patel, the very definition of toxic politics. Nadine Dorries, Liz Truss. OK, they might take advice, but only because they don't know anything. And are they good politicians? Any amount of you kippers. And just because they're women, it isn't obvious that they'll be better or even good, as Charlotte maintains. So I think there's, a, although she doesn't say it's obvious, it doesn't need saying, needless to say, you know, it's, it's self-evident. That's the implication, that just putting women in politics will make the place less toxic. She glosses wow. over that in the Tory party, there is Nadine Dorries and Pretty Patel, who are toxic assholes. Doesn't matter. Sorry. Very bold of you to take such a, a staunchly anti-woman stance there. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're self-evidently assholes. <laughs> You're everywhere and nowhere, Boris. Oh, we don't fucking care. Standing by a boarded-up doorway with your stupid hair. You think you'll go down in history But you're going nowhere Pointing out the wild fantasies When there's nothing there And it's high old silver lining And 
with hi-ho silver lining with the the word though it's obvious in it that was it, the first yeah correct well there's the song obviously uh-huh. yeah obviously, obviously. Yeah, yeah. self-evidently <laughs> there so <laughs> in the fallacy in the world we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective and our first example this week comes from peep show uh, oh. this is a very short clip uh, this is a New Year's episode. Jeremy, all rational people agree. It's a truth self-evident that it's impossible to have a good time on New Year's Eve. The pressure's too immense. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No need to offer any any evidence nope. uh, to back that up because, uh, yeah, everyone everyone knows. Everyone knows. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a self-evident truth. Yeah. It made me think of the... Um, is a, a truth universally acknowledged. Right, yes, Pride and Prejudice, yeah. But that's not, not quite the same thing, because that's more of everyone knows the alleged certainty. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. To, yeah. To, I, I, I'm having heard that and thought of that quote, I was then thinking, oh, I wish I'd thought, I wish I'd remembered yeah. when we were doing alleged certainty. To put that in. That of, uh, it is a truth universally acknowledged. Ah, uh, there you go. So, yeah, let's just go back yeah. and edit that in. That'll, yeah. will be yeah. fine, yeah. Well, I think it was probably obvious to everyone... Who listened to that one? That it was, it was there, yeah. And they, and the problem, the problem is, it is, it is a truth held to be self-evident by those people who are miserable fuckers that don't like New Year, (laughs) yeah. And that's the that which is exactly the character that David Mitchell is playing. (laughs) And you're gonna go, well, yeah, you're right. That and actually, what I when I heard that, and I thought. Oh yeah, that's exactly true of those people. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not one of them. And the trouble is, I know several people like that who don't want to do anything in New Year. I go, come on, let's go do something in New Year. They're going, no, it'd be fucking miserable. Yeah, yeah you're right. It will is, be fucking miserable if you. I mean, come. you are you are more of a Jeremy. That's fair. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So our second example comes from the blacklist. The uh, surprisingly long running, although quite entertaining, um, <laughs> drama with James Spader. Right. It, I mean, it's got it's it's fine. It's yeah. I, it's enjoyable, but it's been going like twelve years or something. Not the wire, is it? So, no. It's yeah. Um, but anyway, it's it's perfectly good. Uh, this is this is from season one, and this is when a case comes up where they discover that their boss, uh, Agent Cooper, mm-hmm. was involved in a potentially dodgy confession. We need to take it seriously. No, we don't. The federal prosecutor on the case is Tom Connolly. His reputation speaks for itself, so should mine. So Cooper claims the prosecutor's reputation speaks for itself, so should mine. He's not offering evidence about this case. It's kind of an argument from authority. He's basically saying, this guy, you should trust him, just just based on the the kind of, on the the fact it's him. Yeah. And trust me, based on the fact it's me. And that's it. To some extent, he's relying on the kind of relationship that has been built up over the, the now, what, 15 episodes or something, that, that, yes, his employee should trust him based on the integrity he's shown to this point. But right. essentially, especially in invoking someone else and saying his reputation should speak for itself, yeah, he's doing this. He's, he's claiming it is self-evident without needing to provide any further proof. Yeah, yeah. And that, and you know, it's very re- resonant of and redolent of what Boris does. One of the things I was looking for 
was there was a letter written in a Scottish newspaper which said that Boris's successes speak for themselves. So, and I was thinking, oh, well, that's exactly what I want to find. But it had been deleted off the from the newspaper. They kind of somebody had commented on it. Somebody had, was writing an article based on how is it that people think these things are true. Yeah. Sufficient to be able to say it's self-evident what they've what they've done. You know, you just need mm-hmm. to base it on his reputation for being successful. And what yeah. he's, he was looking at was, well, where's the where's the evidence for that? Where's the proof? Yeah, it's a it is a kind of way of um, shouting down someone who is asking for evidence yeah. or something. Yeah, you know, prove this to me. Show me that what you're saying is true. Yeah. And and when someone else self evident. Yeah. It's just it, yeah. It should be enough. I don't, that be enough I don't even you. need to prove yes, it. Yes, exactly. It's so <laughs> it's so clear to me, you know, and when you look at uh-huh. the way Nadine does, you know, if if my advice to listeners is find someone that looks at you the way Nadine Doris looks at looks at Boris. It's that utter conviction that the person can do no wrong. They they just can't and they can't comprehend. So you know, a bit like I mean, when you're as stupid as Nadine Dorries, though, true. There's there's yeah. a lot you can't comprehend. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody did say that it's she, a low bar that she submitted a uh, a letter of no no comprehension. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Mm. Mm. So our final example in this section yeah. comes from Evil Under the Sun. Oh, yeah. It is Peter Ustinov's second outing as Hikki yeah. Poirot. Is and that the one that was in Egypt? It, no, that's Death on the Nile. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this <laughs> one, the title. Yeah. They're in a, uh, a fictional Mediterranean country. Right. The, the book, though, was based in Devon, I think. Oh, uh, but they, oh okay. They thought, well, well, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's go on holiday and make this yeah. film. And, uh, and it is fucking awful. <laughs> it's, it is... I mean... To be honest, I'm in the minority. The vast, right. the vast majority of of reviews of the film say it's brilliant and wonderful and self evidently fantastic. Good. Yeah, it's got a great yeah. cast. It's got James Mason, Maggie Smith, Diana Rigg, Peter Ustinov, oh, yeah. obviously, yeah. Uh, Dennis Quilly, uh, Jane yeah. Birkin. Fucking yeah. brilliant cast. Yeah, all overacting hideously. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the story and the plot and the and the which comes directly from Agatha Christie's novel. It's a yeah. reasonably uh, like faithful adaptation. Yeah. But the the mystery is a piece of shit, and the <laughs> the reveal at the end is is one of the worst yeah. in in like mystery literature. But yeah. <laughs> it does provide us with this example. Right. And this is Poirot at the end of Poirot's summing up. Uh, this is yeah. the response he gets from the the murderer. Imaginatively conceived, good clear narrative style. I'll give you nine out of ten, Poirot. I'm deducting one mark for total absence of proof. Is that true? Do you mean to sit we've sat here and listened to all that and you can't prove a word of it? Unfortunately, Monsieur Redfern is absolutely right. Uh, I haven't a shred of evidence, although that is unquestionably what happened. <laughs> so it's unquestionable. Unquestionable, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he can't prove any of it. No, got no, got no <laughs> evidence. But it is what happened. It's a yeah. bit like. So I think this is the 
uh, what somebody did at the BBC is watch this and went, well, yeah, we can make a TV series like that. Let's base it in the Caribbean it's and we'll call it Death in Paradise. <laughs> and it's just, it's the, the nobody's, they kind of go, oh, yeah, uh, we can have a police procedural with, you know, people that we recognise um, in a nice location, bit of love interest on the part of the main character. But nobody's cottoned on to the fact that it's the best acting gig in the world because you mm. it's actually shot in the Caribbean. So you just get to spend a week in the Caribbean. It's utter shit. <laughs> but, but, and they have these bits at the end. It's very, yeah. it's very Agatha Christie-esque. In the in its construction, and you get these summing ups, and you go, oh no, and you know, and there, as and there's a there's a there's a certain police procedural um, fan of my acquaintance who <laughs> absolutely can't get enough of it, can't get enough of it. I go, oh bloody hell, not that thing again. I mean, the and, thing about Agatha Christie, and and um, also true of a lot of the adaptations that that kind of took Christie's work and yeah and ran with it and kind of just based things on the characters yeah. is that sometimes she does the the kind of mystery that the reader can work out as they're going along and or even if they don't work out when the reveal comes look back and go oh yeah i should have seen that I bit and that. That yeah, yeah 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 and sometimes she does ones where it's completely unfair and something you couldn't possibly have yeah. known <laughs> yeah yeah. Turns out to be the the crucial piece of information that Poirot figured out and didn't mention to anyone. And, yeah, yeah. And it's just, oh well, that was a total waste of my time. Then this is yeah. one of those ones. But it, oh right, <laughs> yeah. It's a kind of, <laughs> isn't that a Deus Ex Machina kind of kind? Thing it can be, but it, yeah, it yeah. sort of pops up that that yeah. we we you get to see in a flashback, and it happens to, that Poirot is walking past the window. Yeah, at the time of the flashback, and you go, it's "Well, wait so a minute. fucking <laughs> annoying and ridiculous." But anyway, um, it does give us this this it's example novel. of him saying it is yeah. not a shred of proof, but it is unquestionably yeah. how it happened. Yeah, and then um, does he actually get to prove that? Because well, he not ex- not re- no, he doesn't prove any of the stuff he said. Right, but through a an absurd situation. That happens within the next couple of minutes. Oh, he okay. manages to prove who did it. Kind oh, okay. Of. To the like to the satisfaction of the characters, he proves who did it. Not to the viewer. Not to the viewer. Or or the constabulary. Or the law. No. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Just just yeah. you know, to the point where, like yeah. in a, an old Perry Mason or a Matlock episode, someone on the stand would go, All right, I did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, yeah, the yeah. quickest way to get to the end of the that's episode. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Before we go any further, I need to say the fact that this is entirely rigged. I've been pointing it out for it's a coordinated effort on the part of Jim <laughs> to uh, humiliate me and to, and you know it, that it just it speaks for itself that I've been thwarted in my attempts to get this right I should be on 100% but it's it's not my fault because <laughs> these are the breaks them's the breaks I I think your your score speaks for itself it does. It, yeah. it's, a, it's a self-evident re- revelation yeah. of how rigged this entire process is. <laughs> and frankly, it's obvious. It should be obvious to all. I shouldn't have to spell <laughs> it out. Yeah. 
Our examples uh, this week come yeah. from the Faith and Freedom Coalition conference, oh, okay. as they did last time. Yeah, yeah. God, did he rant and, and rave a lot. Keeps on giving. It was, yeah. I mean, ostensibly about faith, about, you know, religion and stuff. Oh, oh, okay. He talked for about an hour, and, and it was mostly just whining. It was right, uh, right. And, and in this section, at the end, or? in this section, he was whining mostly about how he never gets the credit for how enormous he his crowds are. Oh, okay, right. Which right. is something obviously he's been whining about and lying about since the very beginning. Funny he doesn't get credit for them because, yeah, because they're not large, and so keeps, why would you want to take credit? He keeps for that? going. He keeps yeah. on it, and these are quite long clips. Because, because I just wanted to emphasise how much he went on and on about this stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. number one, statement yep. number one. And as to what happened on January 6th, it was a simple protest. It got out of hand. And I will say one thing they don't talk about. They never show the size of the crowd. I believe it's the largest number of people I've ever spoken to. I'm not talking about the very small percentage of people that went down to the capital, many of whom did nothing wrong and they're paying a big price because of this horrible situation that's taking place. I'm talking about the crowd that I spoke before. And some people went down long before I spoke. But the crowd that I spoke before was, I believe, the largest crowd. And I've spoken in front of big crowds. This is a big crowd. I've spoken in front of very big crowds. That was the largest crowd of people that I've ever spoken before. <laughs> is he saying it a lot in order to convince himself? Did he? I think so. Mm. Oh, it's kind of uh, it's it's sort of running it, but he's practicing it and rerunning it, <laughs> running it, so that it then goes from his short-term memory into his long-term memory, <laughs> and then he can trot that out as a, something to moan about at another paid gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then okay. he he immediately contradicts himself and moves on to yeah. his the speech he gave. Uh, on the mall outside the Lincoln Memorial oh, yeah. uh, on July 4th, 2019. He said, uh, Dr. King gave a speech and it was great. The I had a dream speech. It was great. How good was that? But they showed the picture and it was massive, tremendous numbers of people. They said it was a million people, one million people. And then I gave my speech and they showed the same thing. It's hard to believe many, many decades later, but it's identical architecture, identical pools. You look at it, the Lincoln, everything was identical but it was many years later I gave my speech. So here's, they said, one million people. Now, my pictures were exactly the same, but the people were slightly closer together. They were more compact, but exactly the same. But there were more people. They were tighter together, if you look at it. Donald Trump has 25,000 people today. He, he, he holds a grudge over decades, <laughs> doesn't he? God damn. And it, yeah, and it, I'm surprised he hasn't mentioned... Bloody um, Forrest Gump, uh, that one. Uh, yeah, then Forrest Gump there. He gets up yeah, and, he's, he and you look down there, and it's the same same <laughs> thing, the same architecture, and and they even doubled the amount of people. They just took a thing and then they pasted them in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so okay. he continues. Right. <laughs> right. His speech was a great speech. It was a great, but I give good speeches. Maybe not quite as good. I don't want to say but they don't want to talk about it. I could say, you know, great things, and they turn the cameras off, and they never show the crowds. I'm watching with Melania, and she asks me, she says, how many people were there? You can't tell. I never see the crowds on TV, and I have some huge crowds, and I say the great things, and MSDNC and fake news CNN, they cut away and talk about hurricanes or something. 
I've probably, if you watch the fake news, you've never even seen some of the rallies with the great people. A lot of you have probably been to one. Who's been to one of my rallies? Yeah, a lot of you. But even now, they're not going to report on any of this. <laughs> That's handy, isn't it? Because go, yeah, see, if you, watch the, if you watch the television news where they show pictures of it, that's not as many because they don't show as many. It's, uh-huh. if, if, you, if you could see the rallies that they don't show on television, <laughs> yeah, boy, those are huge. Yeah, who's, who's been to my, one of my rallies? Yeah, a lot of you. But, you know, even though I can't get you know, six, six people that put their hands up and they go, yeah, well, that's no good, is it? I want a million. Why aren't there a million in this room? Wow. Right. So he's gone Two on. Two of these are real, I yeah. remind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just listening into you know, somebody writing a really uh, a nice fictional dam, damning report of the kinds of things he says. <laughs> yeah, but you go, no, no, two of them are actually real. Uh, okay. Mm, uh, mm. Many of them did nothing wrong and paid a big price. To me, sounds yeah. It's a it's a it's a long aside. Mm, okay, the millions of identical architecture. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, speech for great speech. The, then he invokes Melania. You see, they contain they contain three red flags. Each there's three red flags, one in each. Okay, so. Mm, big crowds back in front of me, the larger caliber. It was a super pro, it's just got out. <laughs> and okay, I all right, okay, I think uh, number one is the one that you made up. Simple pro, okay, so hand. of the other two, yeah, which are you more convinced by? I think ridiculously number two, the the, the I had a dream speech. So number million two. million people, yeah, yeah, it's real. Oh what? And Dr. King gave a speech, and it was great. The I had a dream speech, it was great. How good was that? But they showed the picture, and it was massive, tremendous numbers of people. They said it was a million people, one million people. And then I gave my speech, and they showed the same thing. It's hard to believe, many, many decades later, but it's identical architecture, identical pools. You look at it, the Lincoln, my, everything was identical, but it was many years later. I gave my speech, so his, they said, one million people. Now, my pictures were exactly the same, but the people were slightly closer together. They were more compact, but exactly the same. But there were more people. They were tighter together, if you look at it. Donald Trump has 25,000 people today. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's just one of the ways he's better than Martin Luther Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was the that same. That loser could only get a million people. Yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> it's hard to believe that many, many decades later, but it's identical architecture. Why? I gave my speech and they showed the same thing. Well, that's because you're in the same place. <laughs> it's hard to believe that the the architecture is identical, but 
Incidentally, only 250,000 people were at King's. Yeah, 250,000. No, yeah. no one has ever said it was a million, million. people no. at, at Martin Luther King's Not even the speech. organisers no. of the Million Man March? No. 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 Yeah, 250,000. That's a quarter of what he said. Yeah. Also, I couldn't find anyone that had said that it was 25,000 people. No. Or anything like that. It was generally people on the day or were were saying, most of the reports were saying that the National Park Service hadn't released an estimate. Right. Um, I think Vox, I think it was Vox, said the numbers were in um, the high tens of thousands. So, right. More than 80,000, 90,000, something like that, maybe. Um, and and that was the lowest estimate I could find right people were saying you know hundreds hundreds of thousands or a hundred thousand or or something like that Mm -hmm. I saw one Newsweek article that was in response to him saying this last month right which claimed that a local WTOP reporter had said that there were no more people there than on a regular Saturday (laughs) (laughs) Which, which is not true, because I tracked that guy down. Yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 he had been talking about the Fourth of July, twenty twenty, oh, during okay. COVID lockdowns. Yeah. Right, and so they were yeah, like, yeah. "Yes, it's July fourth on the mall. Yeah, there's going to be fireworks or something." And uh, but but it's the same number of people you'd expect to see here. Yeah. So yeah, he absolutely was not talking about that. that would have been an insane thing to say. <laughs> a regular, regular Saturday. Yeah, it's a very popular place. Yeah, people come down here every Saturday. Uh-huh. They stand around, just wait look for, at the Lincoln Memorial look for hours, wait for, for somebody who's, who's made of old hot dog skins stuffed with dank squibs. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was real. Wow. Wow. You also thought that number three was real. Uh, yeah. And yeah. number three... Yeah. It's fake news. Oh, man. Oh, well, that's... Very, yeah, you see the... Yeah, the red, the Melania red flag should have... Should have but that's the kind of thing he would say. Mm. He, he, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, that's how this works. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, I see it now. I see it all now. Finally got Where I've been going wrong. Episodes. Yeah. Oh, if it looks like something he would say, it's not necessarily something he would say. Yeah. Oh. It's obvious now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yes, that 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 was not a thing. The the one thing that that was kind of based on reality and yeah. or reality, I say reality, something Trump said. <laughs> In, yeah. in that yeah. was was the fact that he yeah. did kind of jokily try to compare the quality of his speech to the I Have a Dream speech. Whoa. Reminder, this was the speech in which he said that the Confederate army had run the airports yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. That was the speech he was kind of trying to jokily claim, like running it a bit up the flagpole and seeing if they thought he was right or not. Yeah. Yeah. was as good as the I Have a Dream speech. Exactly. And... and- yeah. You know, to be fair, if he if he had done it and it wasn't a figment of his imagination, they would have just gone, "Yes, you make speeches as good as that bloke, yeah. whatever his name was, whatever happened to him." <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, he can't have been any good. Where is he now? Yes, the idiot exactly. never became president. No. Blimey. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, oh my God, so that, that means, means that the other number one, one. Oh no! Was it was a real thing that a grown man said. <laughs> And as to what happened on January 6th, it was a 
simple protest. It got out of hand. And I will say one thing they don't talk about. They never show the size of the crowd. I believe it was the largest number of people I've ever spoken to. I'm not talking about the very small percentage of people that went down to the Capitol, many of whom did nothing wrong. And they're paying a big price because of this horrible situation that's taking place. I'm talking about the crowd that I spoke before. And some people went down long before I spoke. But the crowd that I spoke before was, I believe, the largest crowd. And I've spoken in front of big crowds. This is a big crowd. I've spoken in front of very big crowds. That was the largest crowd of people that I've ever spoken before. Wow. You know the thing people don't Talk mention about, about yeah. the insurrection? Yeah. Is the size, the size of, crowd of the crowd they had. that I was talking to. Yeah. They kind of, yeah, and, nobody kind of, yeah, forget all that bit about. You know, the threat to life and the people have died of heart attacks and strokes as a result of the stress inflicted upon them by the, the idiots storming the Capitol building. Forget all that. Forget all that. Yeah. yeah. Look how many people there are here. God, that's amazing that he can generate that kind of... He claims the biggest crowd he's ever spoken yeah. in front of. Yeah. And then the next paragraph, he yeah. talks about... A, an event he reckons there were more than a million people at. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, he's wrong on both counts. <laughs> but but even in his head, <laughs> how can, is it possible he thinks there were yeah. a million people at the, at the mall on January 4th and yet there were more, more than that on, on, in the, yeah. the ellipse outside the White House? Yeah. But, what the fuck? Yeah, that is. <laughs> It was, the, I believe, it was the largest crowd. I've spoken in front of big crowds. This is a big crowd. This is a big, this is a big crowd. crowd. I've spoken in front of big crowds. That was the largest crowd. So you just got to go. It's a, wow, that's what kind of I yeah. thought that can't be true because there's too many ellipses a, in yeah. there. Just go round and round and round and round. Estimate, by the way, for the crowd size on the day, about ten thousand. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so less less than one percent of of the number of people he's claiming yeah. in the next paragraph he spoke yeah. in front of a couple of years ago. And again, this is this is a speech to a, a a room full of evangelical Christians who have come to talk about, you know, faith and how it interacts with politics Church over the course of a weekend. Yeah, yeah. And and, and this is he he's reading talks the room, for like ten minutes yeah. about how how big the crowds are that he gets and no one ever sees them and you don't yeah. show them on TV. You don't get helicopter shots above Washington. He says at one point of of the crowds. It's just. <laughs> what the hell? And it's that, that oh, whole bit. A sad, sad man. <laughs> when he kind of there's these little bouncing caveats. I'm not talking about the very small percentage of people that went down the Capitol, uh -huh. many of whom did nothing wrong, and they're paying a big price because of the horrible situation. <laughs> I'm talking about the crowd that I've spoken in front of big crowds. This is a big crowd. I've spoken in front of big crowds. Yeah, yeah. and it's just inane drivel. It's and he's getting paid for this. He's must yeah. be getting paid for this. And and multiple rounds of applause and cheers during this speech yeah. from the assembled Christians. So Yeah. Yeah. Slash Republicans. Yeah. Which unfortunately means that you still have a bit of work to do to get up to fifty oh, percent by no. our That's a that's a self evident truth. Our hundredth game. Oh yeah. Oh god. Um, Oh my god, so, I've yeah, got to get back up to 50 40, by then. 46 out of 94. Eek! Right. Mm, that's, yeah, needless to say, I've got work yeah. to do.
This episode is sponsored once again by our favourite podcast tool, Zencast. It really is. It really is. I was about to say it's our favourite podcast tool. It is. It's That's it. what we call it. We don't call it Zencaster. No. We Should we it. go on our favourite podcast it's tool? It's our favourite yeah. podcast tool. And, and Mark immediately knows what I'm talking about. Exactly. It's self-evident. Yeah. Yeah. It's self-evident. Well, it's so easy to use, for one. You go to the link... I can see you, you can see me, we can see our waveforms. It checks your hardware on the way in. It gives you a little bit of a little thumbs up and off you go. Yeah, there's two things I like especially about it. Is one is it's extremely good if you've got guests because you can just send them a link. Yeah. And tell them like click on this link at whatever time you want to do an interview with them. And and they're and and they're there. They appear on your screen and, and if they don't have the ability at their end to record, yep. Zencaster records for them. Yep. And the other thing is that it records those things as separate tracks. Yep. So as an editor, that means that I can put those tracks on top of each other in my editing program and yep. then cut between them if someone is you know, coughing or, or doing something that interferes with what the other person is saying. One of our really early episodes, we interviewed some musicians who had done a song about Trump, despite the fact they were musicians, they didn't have access to the recording uh, equipment in the studio where they were talking to me from. And I said, well, that's all right. It it will do it. I will just hit record and you will see that it's recording it. And they said, do we need to do anything? I went, no, that's it. It is stupidly easy yeah. to use. Yeah. And at the moment, Fallacious Trump listeners can get a 14-day free trial and 30% off for three months wow. of... Zencaster's pro plan. Bloody hell. So it's like a month free. All you need to do is go to zen.ai slash fallacious trump and use the promo code fallacious trump. There's no excuse now for not podcasting. Frankly, we'll be angry if you don't start a podcast. Oh, yeah. And we'll, we know, um, we know <laughs> where you live. <laughs> where you, we we do. don't know where they live. No, but no, we don't. No. And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called The Supreme Court is Still Not a Logical Fallacy. <laughs> kind of sadly. Because, I mean, really, we would have talked about all of this stuff last time. But last time we had to talk about the January 6th uh, public hearings. Yeah. So so now we get to talk cheery. about... That was sort of Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Yeah. And so now we get to talk about the, the various ways in which the Supreme Court is ruining society mm. as a whole. Yeah, um, and they've yeah. done this in ways that I think would really please Georgia gubernatorial candidate who ended up getting about three point four percent of the vote, Candace Taylor, who, as yeah. if you'll remember, we talked about her her um, her slogan on her bus yeah. was "Jesus guns babies," uh, exactly. and those are all things that, that have been addressed by the Supreme Court in the last yes. two weeks of their term. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. you just add, uh, if you make it "Jesus guns babies," environment Miranda rights then you're there. Yeah. Basically, that's all the yeah. things that Jesus they guns, babies completely earth. overturned. Yeah. Jesus guns, um, babies, babies on earth. Incidentally, yeah, Candace go. Taylor, um, yeah. I, I, I think authorities should probably have a word with her. <laughs> right. Because the Georgia Guidestones were bombed today. Oh, or yesterday, what? actually. Uh, wow. Which she had made one of her kind of campaign promises was yes, to destroy yes. the Georgia Guidestones. Good she God. didn't get in. Although I don't think she's conceded yet. She still claims that she was cheated out of the other 97% of the vote. Um, uh, But yeah, someone bombed the George Guidestones. So for safety reasons, they had to demolish what was kind of left standing of them. Wow. uh, Yeah. 
So she uh, has has tried to throw God under the bus and claim that it was God. <laughs> uh, she said, God is God all by himself. Well, I don't know what that means. He can do anything he wants to do. That includes striking down satanic guidestones. She doesn't mention wow. why he he didn't do that for the first 30 years they were there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Mm. But no, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't her. It was God. So. Wow. But I don't know if that will stand up in court. No. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Jesus guns babies. Um, the Supreme Court has has done stuff about each of these things, um, and they have done stuff that is so anti-law. <laughs> yeah, if there's a, who do you go to to yeah, that's argue the with the Supreme Court? That's the uh, mm, who holds them accountable? For... Supposedly, in name at least, Supreme, <clears throat> right? Um, and yeah. therefore. There is no so actually, higher so it's, it's it's quite apt that they that's it's this episode that we're talking about it because they hold these things to be self evidently true. They that, mm. that one of them being that yeah, they yeah. know all that there is to know that their edict is beyond reproach. It's beyond the need to question because they are the supreme court and therefore. Yeah, their their yeah. judgments are beyond reproach. Like they and also beyond be, they're flawless. Any any reasonable logic or yeah sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, I that. mean that yes. they've so um, destroyed any sense of uh, the ability to rely on precedent or yeah. like other cases yeah. that the National Conference of Bar Examiners, the people who run the bar exam for people yeah. trying to be lawyers, yeah. uh, put out a statement on the day that Roe was overturned, saying uh, examinees taking the NCBE-developed July 2022 exams, exam, will not be required to be familiar with this term's US Supreme Court decisions. Wow. So essentially, do not answer the bar exam based on what's been happening recently. Wow. Because you'll get them wrong. You'll get the answers wrong. Yeah. Because we wrote it based on actual law. Um, wow, and we yeah. So just ignore everything that's the, been happening. <laughs> wow. So that so the, so the implication is that actually they're not basing it at all on case law precedent or anything like that, but purely from political motivation. I mean, they're making up all kinds of bullshit. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. it's the, it the, depends on yeah. The, the whole abortion thing was like it doesn't appear in the constitution. Yeah. Therefore, Roe v. Wade can't have made a judgment on that because it's not a thing that's talked about. It's a- yeah, I mean that is not that that is not a law. The, no. I'm I am pretty yeah. confident that um, that the Supreme Court American have law. ruled on a yeah. number of things that don't show up in the Constitution. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, this the yeah they made up a test basically. Yeah. Uh, Alito made up a test in the row the opinion which which didn't actually change dramatically from the draft opinion that was leaked yeah. um, last month. So it didn't gain it didn't gain any more legal footing. No. No, right. no. Didn't he didn't shore any of it up. Right. But yeah, he basically made the argument that because the right to an abortion isn't something that is rooted in the tradition of America, therefore um it doesn't exist. So de- therefore it's not the, a right that you have. So therefore the the law that they created because there hadn't been one 
Mm. So they created one in 1973 to say yeah. you now have a right because it's not covered by the Constitution, so we're going to make an extra law to deal with that. He's saying because it there wasn't a law in the Constitution <laughs> prior to that, the one of you making a law to cover that omission doesn't count. Essentially, yeah, it is... It is exactly the opposite of the way it normally works. Yeah. In that you only really need to enshrine in law things which are not assumed already yep. and generally tr by based on tradition and, and you know, the, the deeply rooted in the history of America to already be people's rights. Yeah. You don't you don't need to make laws to protect the things that people all consider to be everyone's rights. You need to make laws to protect the things that some people disagree. Yes. You should yes. have as a right. Some people want to to take your right away. They have to make yeah. it a law so that those people don't get to do, do that. Yes. So like That's the how law that works. about not enslaving people. Yeah. yeah. If you assume yeah. that that in order to be a right Every, stuff has to have been uh, part of the tradition when only white male landowners yeah. were allowed to vote. Yeah. Weirdly, a lot of those traditions favour white male landowners. Mm. Yeah. You find a lot of less of the things that are deeply rooted in the tra in the tradition of America that favour minorities. Yeah. It's weird that, or, isn't it? Or women. Yeah. 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 Or yeah, or the majority, which is women. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's seriously fucked up uh, in all kinds of ways, but the dissents and the concurrences that came along with it, yeah, were just added really to how fucked up it is, uh in as much as um I think it was Brett Kavanaugh wrote one saying uh, look, all of you who are talking about losing other rights because of this are just being hysterical and crazy and, like, this is not going to lead to any other rights mm -hmm. being taken away. Yeah. And Clarence Thomas wrote a dissent, uh, well, no, a concurrence to Alito's opinion, um, essentially saying, oh, oh, we are totally coming for your other yeah. rights. We are absolutely <laughs> yeah. going to take yeah. those other rights away. Yeah. That, is not, that is not something you even need to worry about. Yeah. We are on it. He yeah. said... Um, in future cases, we, sh we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence and Obergefell. Weirdly, he stopped short of mentioning Loving v. Virginia, right. um, which, which is the uh, interracial marriage law. Yeah. Odd that he would leave that out, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. Griswold v. Connecticut is um, the right to contraception. Well, so like, well, to, well, for married yeah. couples to be able to buy contraception. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't... It it boggles the mind why they think that that is a thing that needs to be dealt with when yeah. they're worried about, I mean, abortions, especially before they've managed to outlaw abortions federally, So, yeah. which is another thing that they and other Republicans are talking about. Um, once they've done it, I suppose, then taking away contraception will increase the number of births and also obviously illegal abortions and people dying yeah so there's that obergefell obviously is the um same-sex marriage so gay marriage that he wants to take that away unsurprising lawrence v texas though is a 2003 decision 
that struck down sodomy laws. So right. that's butt stuff, oral sex, basically anything except kind of traditional, traditional Christian missionary sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, talk about the the party of big government. Yes, yes. Exactly. How are you going to police that uh, excessively? Yes, you would have to. <laughs> yes, every single home might be a potential miscreant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just don't want to have anyone to have any fun at all. No, is basically no. what the no. what they're trying to crack down on. Yeah, it's. It's fucking insane. And they are absolutely doing that. He wasn't yeah. saying, yeah. theoretically, you know, academically speaking, these things also kind of fall in the same. He was yeah. he was saying, we should reconsider. He, he is sending a message to states to say, bring cases yep. that challenge these rulings, and we will look at them, yep. and we will overturn them. Yeah. And there's nothing in the reading of the, of the opinion in Roe, uh, uh, well... Dobbs that overturns Roe that that can't be applied to those cases. Mm. It's it doesn't argue in any substantively different way that m- would mean that if you are then looking at that as a precedent, which it is now, I guess, yeah. and looking at whether to to uphold or overturn any of those three, you could make a reasonable argument that separates it from Dobbs. It's well, not about reasonable, but it would you know they would. There would be arguments that would appeal to the Supreme Court. They're going, oh yeah, well, you know, they are. They're not in the Constitution. They're not covered yeah, I mean, by. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yet they maintain that they're not politically motivated. Or well, oh yeah, yeah. It's you know, no, it's, it's plain that they, they it ought. To, yeah, but but they are because the rulings have been are reflective of the presidents that put them in power yeah yeah i mean and and the thing is some of the response to this week of shit from the supreme court (laughs) has has been democrats i'm i'm tempted to use inverted commas around democrats to uh, who are saying but i think genuinely a lot of them are on on the left saying um you know stop telling us to vote Stop telling us to vote for Democrats. Clearly, you know, we voted for Democrats. This is what we get. This is they're not doing anything. Right. As if with forty eight senators and two yeah. independents, Biden has some kind of magic wand that he can wave to get rid of this thing yeah, yeah. that was put yeah. in place by McConnell and Trump. Yeah. Over the course of years, over a, a, an extended effort to well, yeah, well, have exactly yeah, this exactly. thing happen. McConnell's been at it for um, decades. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, people need to vote. People need to vote in numbers greater than ever before. Yeah, because that's the only way that anything is going to change, and and it needs to be a, a situation where there are more than fifty Democratic senators. Yeah, uh, or fucking okay, independents as well. I don't care. People who are prepared to a overturn the filibuster and b stack the court yeah those are those are really the main thing or at the very least put in some kind of national law that that in some way mitigates this Mm. removes some of the worst elements of it avoids the inevitable 
situation where if the Republicans control the House and the Senate, they will make this a federal a federal abortions ban. Voting is the only way yeah. to stop that happening and the only way to, to begin the process of reversing And this. part of the McConnell um, and Trump plan is to get people exacerbated with the opposition, you know, with with the with the Democrats, they're getting mm. they get a bit exercised that the Democrats aren't doing anything because what they've successfully done, McConnell and Trump, is hide the fact that they've done it. And yeah. They kind of say, you know, well, it's nothing to do with us. You know, it's the fact that the Democrats didn't do enough, and that's the kind of the the spin that's been put on this, rather than. This is a massive, you know, because we've been uh, hoodwinked by Trump's short-termism that all politicians have been working in a short-term way, but Mitch McConnell's been doing this for 30 years to yeah. get to this point. You know, it's his life's work, so he's spent his life yeah, yeah, doing absolutely. it. And, and, and a, another part of the backlash against it from the left has been people claiming that this is Obama's fault. Yeah. Um, because when he had a supermajority for like three weeks in yeah. 2009, he should have used that to codify Roe yeah. and, and make it a, a rule that couldn't be overturned. And he, he never had the votes for that at no point, even yeah. when he had, a the I think it was 59 votes in the Senate at one point. But even then, not all of those were pro-choice. Yeah. The, I mean, this it, now, n not even all of them are, because there's still one guy, I think, is he a senator or a congressman? There's still one Democrat who is still very strongly, I'm not going to say pro-life, because it's not, it's not true, yeah. pro-taking yeah. um, choice away. Yeah. What we need is enough people that are genuinely pro-choice and can make the, 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 have the power to vote in the way that will make a difference. Um, and the only way to do that is to to vote Democrats in and vote yeah. against Republicans. Yeah. Even or even especially if you are a kind of occasional third party voter, it really matters to vote strategically. Yeah. And often people I talk to, well, both in Europe and America, um, say, well, we, you know, we're kind of fed up with having to hold our nose and vote for the guys we, mm. you know, we wouldn't normally vote for. We want to vote for an independent or that kind of stuff. You know, even in the French presidential elections, they were saying it would be nice to be able to vote for the person that we want rather than the person we don't in order that the person who definitely ought not to get in doesn't get in. But that's what we're going to have to do. Yeah, and you, you well, yeah. That's you just have to do that and vote strategically. And and in the UK, part of the problem is that the opposition, the main opposition party, doesn't want to join it because ultimately the the politician, the the UK opposition, want to get in power for, mm -hmm. on their own terms. And and yet the voter base are saying, well, which we saw in the last by a couple of by elections that ultimately brought down Boris, the voter base are voting not for them, not for the, the opposition, and definitely not for the sitting government. So the, but so they're out of touch with the people. So sometimes you do have to hold your nose and vote for the people most 
able to bring about the change or block negative changes because there's a, the thing about the Supreme Court there isn't it's not set in stone that there's nine members. Oh, absolutely not. They no. could change the rules and have, they could say, "Well, we'll have twelve, and then we'll just chuck in three more Democrats or Democrats." Yeah. There were there's nine because at the time there were nine districts. Yeah, court districts, and now I think there's thirteen. But you could so. they could make the rules up as much as they like. Yeah, yeah. Because they said, "Well, you know, when it's not in the Constitution." Yeah. Come on. Yeah, so, I mean, it would be interesting for Biden to use an executive order to do away with the Supreme Court. The existence of the Supreme Court is in the Constitution. Right. Just not the number of justices. Yeah. Well, I guess what it, what it, the desperate anger at the Democrats saying you're not doing enough comes from this the powerlessness in the face of this unelected right-wing... Yep. Christian minority zealots who are, in, in effect, they're, it's, they're putting in place the equivalent of Sharia law. You know, that's, yeah. it's the kind of thing that they're, they're accusing, you know, the, um, Muslim communities of getting into power. Well, the, the, the representatives that come from Muslim backgrounds are saying, well, if we get the, let them in, they will enact Sharia law. I think, well, we've got the, that's what's happening with the Supreme Court. They're enacting militant, militant yeah, militant yeah. extremist yeah. Yeah. Christian Absolutely. law. Absolutely. That's yes. And speaking of which, yeah. We've done the babies bit, the Jesus bit. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Aside from the case where they decided it was um it was against religious freedom not to give public money to uh, private religious schools in Maine. Um, the the other case that was Jesus-based yeah. was uh, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, which was the the praying football coach case right? in which Neil Gorsuch just completely lied about what the case was about. Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, which is bizarre, but enabled him to rule in, in a specific way. With while kind of claiming not to be completely overturning the establishment clause, yeah, um, wow. because he said that uh, this was a case about this football coach um, who had lost his job, and it's being reported, every, well, in a, a, the majority of places that this guy was fired for praying. Right, um, that isn't true. He the school district did not renew his contract and that happened after the fact that um, they repeatedly asked him to stop doing very demonstrative big public prayers after football right. games right and he he didn't stop doing it and he then went on like national tv to talk about how he was definitely doing it and right. his lawyers told the school that he was going to keep doing it okay and they asked him not to as as a term they, of employment and uh-huh. and he and, kept doing and, it. And they didn't renew his contract. They didn't fire right. him. Right. He he his contract, his contract was, was over and they went yeah. Do you know what? This guy's a bit of an arsehole. Yeah. We're, We're not going to him. have him again. Next as is year. our prerogative. Yeah. 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 Um but apparently that's not okay. 
Wow. Because even though he is, you know, this is a public school. He is a teacher in a public school. He's in a position of authority. He is publicly praying in a way that students felt compelled or uh, kind of coerced, essentially, into joining in. Right. Or... Or, and worried that... If, if they didn't, they'd, they'd be off the team. This, this was kind of how it started. One parent complained, after a number of these these prayers following football games, that his son felt compelled to participate despite being an atheist because the student feared he wouldn't get to play as much if right. he didn't participate. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, whether, whether it was ever the coach's intention yeah. to favour players who believed the same stuff he did or participated in the prayer at the end of the football games or whatever that doesn't matter because that's the reason these things aren't allowed yeah is because you it isn't okay to make people feel like they have to take part in yeah this yeah ritual for yeah. fear that they will otherwise be kind of um discriminated against yeah and yes is that dropped from the team or not able yeah. to participate in something that has nothing to do with religious fervor yeah um and gorsuch claimed that this was just about a um someone offering a uh, a short private personal prayer by himself after a football game wow and they bought that i mean they didn't that was that was the majority opinion on the court so yeah and he's a supreme court judge why would he lie yeah absolutely well it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if he's lying yeah he, I mean, we know he's lying. Yeah. Um, certainly, Sonia Sotomayor, who wrote the dissent, knew yeah. he was lying because yeah. she published the three three pictures of the the short, the short private, private personal person. prayer yeah. where the coach was surrounded by yeah. um, players right. um, in the middle right. of the of the field and and said that this this was what actually happened. It was it started out apparently as a short private personal prayer. Yeah. Some players joined in, and then it got bigger and bigger. And then reporters started reporting on it. He went on Good Morning America and was talking about it after the school had said, look, this you, this needs to not be a thing. Yeah. You can't do this, like, legally. Yeah. And, and and so he he kind of agreed, supposedly, to stop doing it so ostentatiously yeah. and, and then went on national TV and talked about doing it. And, and again, his, yeah. his lawyer sent a letter to the school to say that he was going to start doing it again. So instead, so rather than stopping doing something that he's not legally able to do, he got, he got the law changed. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah. So which is which is what Boris tried to do with one of his ministers that uh, was caught doing something or other and had to. Th- be left dropped from office so he sought to owen patterson it was and he sought so boris sought to change the rules so it wouldn't apply to him so he wouldn't have to resign from office and and the rest of the world the rest of the government kind of went well wait a minute you can't do that that's no and so he also tried to change the rules about um having to resign if you are found to have breached the ministerial code. So there is, a, yeah. you know, although we don't have a written constitution, our politicians have to abide by an agreed code, 
which means that you you can't do certain behaviours and you've got to behave in a certain yeah you know, uh, with integrity and humility and all, there are kind of seven principles by which you're supposed to um, govern and be a politician. If you're found to have been in breach of those, one of them is found to be lying to the parliament. If you're found, then you're you're expected to resign. So Boris was being investigated to see whether he had lied to parliament. He had, by the way, spoiler alert, he had. And so he changed the rules so that you didn't have to resign if you were found out because the prime minister is in charge of the ministerial code. So if you're in charge of this stuff, you just change it. Go, oh, I was on the plane to me. It's like Trump pardoning himself. That's, you know, that's what yeah. this, this guy's going, well, okay, I'm not allowed to do this because what I'm doing is is coercing people to take part in something that they don't want to take part in for fear of not being selected for the team. That's kind of illegal to coerce people into something they don't want because of religious freedom. You are yeah. free to not take part in religious. Well, not stuff. only that, but the but as a kind of as a teacher in a public school, he is an agent of the government essentially, and yeah. the government yeah. is not allowed to get entangled with religion in yeah. that way. Yeah, and and yeah, so the one thing that is an interesting kind of possible saving grace in this case, mm-hmm. which which if the Supreme Court cared about precedent would be important, but ultimately probably isn't, <laughs> Yeah, is the fact that because Gorsuch lied so dramatically about this, he has essentially claimed that this case is about someone engaging in a personal, private, quiet prayer by yeah. themselves. Yeah. And that that's allowed. That's already allowed. Yeah. You can do that whenever yeah. you want. Yeah. It's the public stuff that involves other people that you're not allowed to do yeah. as a public school teacher. So so essentially what Gorsuch has claimed this guy did and then said, yeah, that's fine, yeah. was already allowed under the law. So arguably he hasn't changed the law because the stuff that the guy really did is the stuff yeah. that is illegal. Right. The stuff that Gorsuch says in his opinion the guy did was already legal. So they've ruled on the fact that what's already legal, they made it more legal. They, yeah, they kind If you go by that, yeah. he hasn't really changed very much. If like if another case came up, yeah, which was clearly about a public school teacher leading his class in prayer, yeah, like on a daily basis and making it a thing about his homeroom activities or whatever, yeah, that would not fit under this precedent. That would not be. He couldn't claim that it's a yeah. personal, private, quiet, you know, private prayer. Yeah. So, so this case wouldn't help him, even though essentially they're the same thing. So the guy, <laughs> the guy who is basically belly aching because he didn't get his contract renewed because what he did, he'd been asked not to. Yeah. Isn't actually helped by this ruling. Oh, and I mean. I don't, to be honest, I don't know what the outcome is for Kennedy. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't get his job back because no. they can't they can't compel the school to to employ him. I don't think mm. that would be. Ins- I mean, it would be insane. Doesn't mean it's definitely <laughs> doesn't not mean- happening. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you hesitated there. Yeah, <laughs> Supreme Court talking about that would just be insane. Oh no, they yeah. would. Yeah, they might. Doesn't yeah. actually. Yeah. Not the, yeah. You know. 
yeah kind of so that's jesus yeah Uh, that's jesus moving on to guns guns yeah yeah is the is the new york state rifle and pistol association versus bruin and this is a case where um i believe clarence thomas wrote the majority opinion on this one right and the law in new york um and in various other liberal states california being one was that in order to concealed carry in New York, in order to have a gun on your person, you had to have a reason. Right. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Call me insane, but that you know, seems reasonable. The, yeah. the point was yeah. you had to actually make a case right. in yeah. order to get a licence to concealed carry in New right. York. It wasn't right. just assumed that, that the right is, is... that it is a right for everyone. Yeah. Because the Second Amendment says that um, the government shall not infringe the rights of a well-regulated militia to oh. keep and bear arms. People right. always forget those the, the well-regulated militia part yeah. when they're talking about yeah. how they have the right to basically any weapon they want. But yeah. that doesn't mean you get to carry them around with you everywhere. Yeah. And DC versus Heller essentially argued that not only should a militia be allowed to have them, that also applies to self-defense in the home. And so you should be allowed to have guns in your house. Right. That should That's just a thing you should get. Right. This goes, yeah, but also in public. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And the state, states shouldn't just be allowed to make that rule that, that you have to have a reason. The assumption should be that anyone's allowed anyone can have one. to carry guns yeah. all over the place like, like for a, no good reason. So there's, so there's no militia... It's not well regulated. So in uh-huh. fact, what that is is taking away any kind of regulation, well regulated or other. Yeah, I mean that's uh, been a, been for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw, yeah. I saw. Um, I, I it was a tweet. I think was it after Uvalde? Someone saying a well regulated militia uh, went into this elementary school and shot children. Yeah. yeah. If if you don't think that was a well-regulated militia, you already know what's wrong with the Second Amendment. Exactly. Yeah. So, essentially, this has made it harder for states to prevent people from um, just taking guns everywhere. But not impossible, by any means, because there's lots of states that had more objective tests for who is allowed to have licences to carry. And and this... uh, my understanding of this was was based on the fact that the test in New York and and a few other states, but this was specific to New York, was was subjective essentially that that you had to have a good reason and a person got to decide whether your reason was good enough. Good or not. Yeah. And so yeah. the the Supreme Court case essentially made it that the assumption should be that everyone has the right, no matter. So New York have already made a new law kathy hochel has signed into into law a rule that uh you can you can carry guns all over the place wherever you want except right, right. certain sensitive locations where right. if you have a gun in those locations yeah that's a felony right um and they've made those locations quite a lot of new york right <laughs> right nice so sensitive places where you can't have a gun yeah in new york the subway, trains, yep. buses, ferries, government buildings, houses of worship, schools, libraries, public playgrounds, public parks, zoos, homeless shelters, and polling places, and also 
just for fun, Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, so, New York, really. Yeah, that's a significant. Yeah, apart from, there, it would you know, be hard to get from one place to yeah, another in New York. Yeah, without going through at least one of those one places. Of those. Yeah, yeah. So, so if, even if your uh, intent yeah. was to go into Macy's, where it seems to be okay yeah, to carry a gun, you can carry you, a gun in Macy's. You, you've got to cross Times Square to get there, or you've got to go <laughs> on the subway, or yeah, uh-huh. yeah, or through a park, or through a park. Or, yeah, yeah. Wow. So so that's one way of dealing with it. Yeah. And they seem to have successfully, for now at least, yeah, put yeah. that in place. Well, It's a, a huge radical change in how gun laws can be made. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it seems there are things that states can do about it to mitigate the biggest problems well, with it. The, um, kind of the, the ultimate, uh, and we know the right doesn't do irony, uh, the, is that... The assumption is you have the right to carry a gun mm-hmm. anywhere, but but there is no assumption that you have the right to decide what to do with your own body if you're a woman. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not only that, yeah. but states can't tell you what to do with your gun. Yeah, but they can tell you. But only states can tell you what to do with your body. Wow. Yeah. The, the federal yeah. government can't do that, and yeah. and individuals can't decide. The state can, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. We're not for big government. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But we'll yeah. we will decide what you can do with your body. Yeah, at a state level. Yes. Uh, in the spirit of states being creative about dealing with these kinds of laws, yeah. the law. In Maine, that I mentioned about public schools having to get public, no, private religious schools having to get public money or it's not religious freedom. I heard that Maine have changed their rules so they're not discriminating against religious schools. They have said that they will only give their public money to schools that do not discriminate against LGBT people in terms of being allowed to go to their school or being employees. Which right. is essentially exactly the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. does it in a way where they're saying, no, we're just being equality positive. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We are, yeah, anti discrimination. That's what we're doing. It's nothing to do with religion. Excellent. So, yeah. Oh, that's very good. Well, that, yeah. And I'm just, I've just opened a bottle of Shipyard American IPA from Portland, Maine. Oh, there you go. As you mentioned that. <laughs> well, there you go. I'll drink to Maine. Fantastic. Yeah. So, there are other. Supreme Court cases where they've tried to fuck society uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, but we'll have to leave those for another episode because it just takes they too might, long to. They, and they might do another do. couple. Can... I think their term's over. Actually, I think all of the. Was it? Um, yeah. yeah, I think all of the opinions have come out now. Right. So I, I, I think we'll have to wait. They, they did, which again we'll talk about another time. They have already talked about a case they'll probably be taking on in the next session. Yeah. Which is going to be an issue um, about uh, about states being able to run elections um, mm. and things like that. Mm. Yes, another which could have a, an another Republican concern. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about other stuff another time. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but next episode there'll be more public hearings to talk about. So yeah, we'll have a break yeah. Back to then. the cheery stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So, finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. 
if, like most of us, you were under the impression that Senate Majority Leader and pantomime turtle Addison Mitchell McConnell III had his finger on the pulse of the common man, get ready for a shock. Mitch has an explanation, you see, for the phenomenon those in power call a robust job market and those in opposition call a labour shortage crisis. Old Yertle reckons that the reason companies who pay minimum wage are having trouble finding staff at the moment is because Americans are just too damn rich, thanks to the coronavirus stimulus checks they got last year when record numbers of them suddenly found themselves out of work. Master Ugwe is convinced that the $3,200 Americans received between April 2020 and March 2021 not only kept them going through the pandemic, but is burning such a hole in their savings accounts that they just don't need to go back to work yet. Gamera's brilliant theory is that businesses who are hurting for staff shouldn't consider whether to pay a livable wage, offer meaningful benefits or prospects for advancement. All they need to do is wait for those wastrels to run out of cash, then they'll come crawling back. The reality, of course, is that Republicans just don't seem to understand the invisible hand of the market they stand so fucking hard. It's a job-seeker's market right now, and with jobs available at so many different levels, people don't have to accept the conditions they did before. In fact, millions of people a month are voluntarily resigning from their jobs and quickly finding new, better-paid ones, and the unemployment level is lower than it was in late 2019. Thanks, Biden. Here you go. The fabulous TV series where a group of earnest hometown occupants battles monsters to the tune of running up that Capitol Hill continues with the Fulton County Court subpoenaing Lindsey Graham and Rudy Giuliani in connection with the 2020 election. It's this season's new thing to be calling in Trump's inner circle about the attempts to overthrow the results. Graham's starring role questioned Secretary Raffensperger and his staff about re-examining certain absentee ballots cast in Georgia in order to explore the possibility of a more favourable outcome for former President Donald Trump. And Giuliani's comic cameo made additional statements both to the public and in subsequent legislative hearings claiming widespread voter fraud in Georgia during the November 2020 election by re-upping the same previously debunked evidence according to court filings. The subpoenas also cover the supporting cast of Trump's other former legal advisers, including Jackie Pick Deason and the usual suspects John Eastman, Jenna Ellis, Cleta Mitchell and Kenneth Cheeseborough to explain their solicitation of election fraud, making false statements, conspiracy, racketeering and threats related to election administration. Whilst packed with these goodies, the special grand jury can only collect evidence and issue a report on whether Trump or any of his allies should face charges. However, season five of Even Stranger Things could pursue actual indictment from a regularly seated grand jury in Fulton County. Can't wait. White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony in front of the January 6th committee last month made a few waves and drew some unusual responses from Trump world. From supposed Trump allies claiming he's way too fat to have been able to reach into the front and grab the steering wheel, to the brilliant legal mind of Rudolph Giuliani, who demolished Cassidy's claim that he asked for a pardon by tweeting, contrary to her false testimony, she was never present when I asked for a pardon. <laughs> <laughs> It was also revealed this week the two extremely witness-tampery messages disclosed at the end of the sixth public hearing were directed at Hutchinson herself, and one came from a Mark Meadows associate and referred to him by name, saying, Meadows let me know you have your deposition tomorrow. He wants me to let you know he's thinking about you. He knows you're loyal, and you're going to do the right thing when you go in for your deposition. Which, if you ask me, sounds a bit illegal. 
The next public hearing will be on Tuesday, July 12th, and it seems likely it will feature testimony from White House counsel Pat Cipollone, who has agreed to a transcribed and videotaped deposition in the wake of Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony. Cipollone was with Trump on January 6th and is expected to be quite cooperative. Oh, oh it's so exciting, isn't it? <laughs> In an echo of Trump's lie about Hillary and the Second Amendment from our opening titles, Arizona Congresswoman Debbie Lesko is convinced that because of H.R. 2377, Federal Extreme Risk Protection Order Act of 2022, they want to take away the rights of law-abiding citizens to protect their own children and grandchildren and wives and brothers and sisters. This bill takes away due process from law-abiding citizens. She is sufficiently incensed by it and sufficiently twisted in a Moebius loop kind of QAnon way that she went on to illustrate her fervour by saying, I have five grandchildren. I would do anything, anything to protect my five grandchildren, including, as a last resort, shooting them, if I had to, to protect the lives of my grandchildren. Democrat bills that we've heard this week want to take away my right, my right to protect my grandchildren. OK, Will you tell her, or do I have to? How does maintaining the right to kill your five grandchildren with, I assume, a six-shooter, protect them? I would shoot them to protect them from having my firearms taken away from me. What the actual fuck? And she said it out loud, right on the floor of the house, where things like that are streamed to the interwebs, like verbatim. And naturally, people commented on the sheer insanity of it. Of course, Lesko then took to the same interwebs to say, It never ceases to amaze me the length gun control zealots will go. They turned my speech about protecting Second Amendment rights and my right to protect my grandchildren from violent criminals into a claim that I would harm my own grandchildren. Absolutely ridiculous. Yes, you goddamn are, Debbie. I wonder what her children, you know the parents of our grandchildren have to say about that oft-experienced problem of your parents thinking they know better about how to take care of your own children. Hmm. Yeah, kids, we're not going to be able to go see Grandma for a while. <laughs> if you saw Missouri GOP Senate candidate Eric Greitens' ad last month in which he posed with a rifle and said he was going rhino hunting... You may have thought you'd seen the craziest, most violence-inciting ad of the year, but this is the 2022 GOP, so I doubt it'll even make the top ten. The latest comes from Arizona congressional candidate Jerome Davison, who is black, by the way, a fact that will become relevant very soon. In his ad, he mocks Democrats who claim nobody needs high-capacity magazines over slow-motion footage of people in KKK uniforms charging towards his house with pitchforks and baseball bats. He concludes that you might just need those 30 rounds, quote, when the rifle is the only thing standing between your family and a dozen angry Democrats in clan hoods. Whoa! <laughs> Davison displays a stunning lack of, I don't think you can even call it insight, sight, I guess, since he just needs to look at the incumbent he's trying to primary, avowed white supremacist Paul Gosar, to see where the threat is coming from. Yep. I would say it's hard to choose who we want to win, but there are four other candidates and none of them have been quite so publicly batshit. So maybe any one of them, please. 
If you're wondering what kind of campaign manager would sign off on such a fucking insane ad, meet Austin Steinbart, a man recently released from prison after serving eight months for hacking celebrities' medical records. Steinbart claims he's a time traveller from the future and a deep-cover operative for the Defence Intelligence Agency. He also claims he's Q. But Vice have described his ideas as, quote, too out there for the vast majority of QAnon followers who have dismissed him as a kook. Wow. So many of Paul Gosar's followers, QAnon believers, who think Trump was sent by God to defeat a satanic cabal of child-eating movie stars while they wait for JFK to come back from the dead and send Hillary to Gitmo, think this guy is a kook. Not an endorsement, really. <laughs> Michigan GOPers introduced ban on non-existent school drag shows that they admit don't exist is the actual headline from TalkingPointsMemo.com. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, who's a Democrat, accused Republicans of manufacturing fake issues, having joked as the first gay person in Michigan to be elected to statewide office about a drag queen in every school. True to form, the Republicans didn't see anything to laugh about and unveiled a bill that would ban K-12 public schools from doing anything that would expose students to a drag show or drag presentation, whilst admittedly none of the five bill sponsors could actually think of a time when schools put on drag shows. GOP Michigan gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon declared she said she was joking. But we take this as a trial balloon. We're here to fight that culture war. And Michigan State House Representative Bo Lefebvre, yes, also Republican, argued, I don't think that we need to have a problem occur in the state of Michigan before we address it. Yeah, of course not. After all, none of the other things your party gets heated about ever fucking existed. Let's face it, Trump's entire presidency was a joke looking for a solution. Oh, yeah, the 2020 election, which you didn't like. I suppose because it worked. I'm shocked that the Michiganders called Tudor and Bo are Republicans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? It's so good. So good. And they go, yeah, we're going to make up something and then fight a culture war. Sure we are. Of course we are. Yeah, we can take a joke. Well, yeah, you you vote your one in. <laughs> The press has finally figured out what I've been saying for a while now, that Trump will probably announce his 2024 presidential run soon so that he can claim all the legal cases against him are just political harassment. To be fair, I've been saying it for a while and I've been wrong so far and I'm pretty fucking shocked it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's not like the legal cases have been going badly. Meanwhile, the press, in this case The Guardian, have pretty reasonably waited until they had something to report rather than just saying what they reckon like some podcaster. <laughs> It's not much yet, but apparently Trump has told advisers that he thinks throwing his hat in the ring would strengthen his argument that investigations into him are politically motivated, even though some of those advisers think he should wait until after the midterms. To be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if those advisers are telling him to wait in the hope that he gets indicted for something pre-midterms and then they can stop advising him, because that must be a fucking nightmare. Meanwhile... Maybe the reason Trump hasn't announced yet is because his legal advisers are people like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, and they're telling him he's got nothing to worry about because they got their law degrees out of a cereal packet. It'll be fine! <laughs> or maybe he realises that if he announces, then maybe he'll run and maybe he'll win, and then he'd actually have to be president again, and he clearly hated it first time round. Of course, I'm just speculating. Maybe in a few months a major newspaper will find a source to say the same thing and then it'll be news. <laughs> In Britpole, well, 
It's been a bit quiet this week. Oh, no, wait, we do have a new prime minister. Well, the Tory party is in need of a new leader. The prime minister, same person, has yet to leave the building. Sorry, let, let's backtrack a bit, but not too far. It's now Thursday when we record this. On Tuesday evening, Health Secretary Sajid Javid resigned, closely followed by Chancellor Rishi Sunak, in the wake of it transpiring that Boris knew about Deputy Chief Whip Chris Pincher's behaviour and yet promoted him to the role of Deputy Chief Whip in February. Pincher had resigned, by the way, on June 30th for getting drunk and groping other male members of the Carlton Club and had complaints of inappropriate behaviour towards a young male member of the Tory party staff upheld by an investigation which was reported to Boris in 2019. And yet he was promoted to the role of Deputy Chief Whip, a role that oversees the ethics and behaviours of ministers. You see, the right doesn't do irony. The two cabinet members resigned because number 10 lied about Boris knowing and even sent people out to speak to the media to tell that lie. You know, follow the usual form. I don't know. Nobody told me. People told me. I forgot the people who told me. Sorry, not sorry. Can we move on now? And in moving on, on Tuesday, Boris appointed a new chancellor and a new health minister and a new education minister to replace the one he'd moved to chancellor. What's perhaps least slash most surprising is that after all the constant deluge of mistruths, lies, obfuscations, denials, abuses of power, missing billions, tax breaks for the rich, actual criminal breaches of the actual law and losses of local elections, the one straw that broke the camel's backs seems to have a whiff of homophobia about it. Wednesday morning, Michael Slimy Tove, all Mimsy were the Broadgroves, Gove had a word and told Boris to go. He didn't. And later that day in PMQs, one of Boris's own party, Tim Loughton, asked, are there any circumstances in which he, Boris, should resign? In the list, which didn't contain found to be lying, partying in lockdown, being in receipt of a fine because of criminal breaches of the actual law, etc., etc., Boris included... If there were circumstances in which I felt it was impossible for the government to go on and discharge the mandate that we've been given, and, taking him at his word, not only did three call for him to resign during PMQs, but by the end of Wednesday, 44 members of his government had resigned, rendering it practically unable to discharge anything. Wednesday evening, a delegation marched Julie to number 10 to tell him to go. He didn't, saying he'd fight on, and he sacked Gove for disloyalty in doing so. Only Gove, no one else out of the eight or so. Thursday, the newly appointed Chancellor told us he was in the delegation that told Boris to go after he'd been made Chancellor, and the newly appointed Education Secretary resigned outright after about 30 hours in office. Finally, as long ago as this morning, Boris said he would stand down as leader of the Tory party and thus the internal election process for a new leader would begin. Of course, as the architect of this shittiest premiership in 300 years of British politics, he agreed, well, stated, because no one asked him, to stay on as Prime Minister until the new leader is in place. After all, he's just cleaned up the vom from the lockdown parties and put in new $1,000 wallpaper in number 10. Whilst Labour are threatening to trigger a general election by calling for a vote of no confidence in the actual government to make him leave, here's Cassette Boy's new mashup, which is a translation of Boris's uncontrite, unapologetic, 
blame everyone else actual resignation speech. The first Prime Minister to receive a fine ice scoff, cheese and wine, and let the bodies pile high. There was no truth under Downing Street's roof, but this ain't no lie. I'm saying bye bye bye. I sacrifice the country for my own ambition, the worst this century to hold the position, and that's up against some stiff competition. Thank God I am saying bye 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 bye. <laughs> So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our straw man level patrons, Steve Bickle, Schmutz, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan. Our true Scotsman level patrons, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, Max Beaver and our top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much for your patronage, everyone. It really is very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. The one straw that broke the camel's backs seemed to have been, seems to have had a whiff of homophobia. Seems to have a whiff of homia. Seems to have a whiff. <laughs>